Welcome to another edition of the BAT Podcast. This is Randy Nonnenberg, co-founder of Bring a Trailer. I'm super excited for our guest today. Our guest today is Wayne Dempsey, founder of Pelican Parts, and also now with an enterprise called Dempsey Motorsports that he is launching, um, starting with his interesting collection of race cars. And um, he has obviously deep knowledge on all sorts of cars, but is an owner of a Porsche 959 and his user handle on BAT, uh, I believe is Wayne 962. So you can maybe kind of guess what other kind of, of Porsches he's into. Uh, we are super happy to have him as part of the BAT community and also have him here on the podcast. Wayne, welcome. Welcome. Thank you very much, Randy. I appreciate it. It's been a really exciting time to be in the collector car business now. We've seen so much excitement from bring a trailer and all the other stuff everyone's stuck at home covid and just watching online and it's really really enthused you know everybody and excited everyone about the hobby and you know everyone's talking about the demise of the internal combustion engine due to electric cars and all this blah 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 but you guys have proven and that's all kind of bs a little bit because there's so much excitement now so heads up hands up thumbs up to you guys for doing a fantastic job and it's it, i'm really excited to be talking to you so thank you well well you know whenever there's an interesting commenter on bat it kind of makes us perk up amongst the staff right and so we'll shoot some messages around you'd be like hey do you see who's commenting on that car or on that ferrari or on that pickup truck or do you see who bought that or is bidding on that and uh, your name came across and you, you actually signed off in some of your handles with, uh, with you know, your proper name and, and the, a couple books you've written and, and your connection to uh, Pelican. And uh, I've known that you've existed for a long time because I've been a Pelican customer, uh, owning old BMWs and Porsches and stuff for a, a long time and looking for a, a better way to buy parts. And um, obviously the, the, I, kind of troll around and watch for 959s. 959s have always been near and dear to my heart. So when you started commenting in the red car that we currently have listed, when this podcast goes up, it'll either be on the day it's ending or right near it. Um, you've just been kind of dropping anecdotes into that listing, which I, I mean, they've been getting a bunch of response from other commenters. And I actually just think it's super cool that you would do that and that you actually have hands-on experience with that car. So we want to talk to you about a couple of things, but let's focus on, yeah, you have a black 959 that you procured in LA some way. So uh, can you just kind of give us maybe a, a quick overview on that vehicle and, and we can talk about it a bit? Oh yeah, sure. Sure. I love talking about this stuff because if I go to, you know, dinners and parties at my kids' school and I start talking about this stuff to them, my wife kicks me under the table and tells me to shut up. So all this use, all this, all this knowledge of 959 stuff is useless when you're, when you're at dinner parties and stuff like that. So, you know, given the opportunity to, to yak on about it, uh, here is great, you know? <laughs> so, um, yeah, no, I've always been excited about the 959. I'm an engineer by trade. I got two degrees from MIT from way, way, way back there. And, you know, I always describe the 959 as being the ultimate supercar, which means you know, in German terms, I always said, you know, when people come and visit my shop and I give them a little tour of the 959, I point to it and say, this is what happens when you lock 30 or so engineers in a room at Porsche and say, you have unlimited budget and say, you design the best supercar you can. And they don't leave them alone for two years. And then they're two years behind schedule as well. But then they come out with a 959, which is every single gadget, every single technology, and every single idea that they can think of with no budget in mind, which is great. Because I don't think too many people do that anymore. So anyway, that's the backstory on the 959 and why, why, why it's so great. But my particular one, yeah, 
um, you know, I was running Pelican for a long time. And, you know, uh, for you guys don't know what Pelican is, Pelican Parts is a, you know, online Porsche, BMW, um, uh, and Mercedes um, parts retailer on the internet. And our, our goal was to basically educate our consumers. And, and we have lots of tech articles, most of them that I've written, or we've had authors written, write for us. Um, our goal is to educate the consumer and get them to be enthusiasts in the hobby and all that good stuff. Anyway, I did that for 20 years. And then we sold the company four years ago. Um, but uh, my point was, uh, we didn't make money for seven years. I was terrible, terrible at running business. <laughs> so I just knew how cars and, 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 you know. So finally, we started to make some money. And I said, okay, well, you know, what am I going to do? I had some cash in the bank. It wasn't that much because, you know, uh, just started. And uh, this is back in like, oh, eight or so. And my wife and I, had, we had bought a condo and we sold a condo like three years later, it's California real estate. We made, you know, several hundred thousand dollars on the condo. And I was like, great, what can we buy? And my wife said, oh, we got to save it for a house. So I don't know how I convinced her because this is like, you know, 12, 13 years ago. But I said, you know what, let's buy a car. <laughs> We're living in a rental house in, in Torrance. And uh, I saw this uh, 959 for sale and I thought they were undervalued at the time. So, and they were just a little bit more price-wise than a new 911 turbo. And I thought that was insane because I thought they were great cars, but they were in kind of what I call the supercar kind of valley where um, it's too new to be collectible. Although it was still getting collectible back then, but, and too old to be like competitive or whatever, and, and, you know, Sorry, too new to be, no, too old. Anyway, you guys know what I mean. But anyway, so it was kind of ignored and not really paid attention to. So there's there one for sale by uh, Kaluian, a guy who um, is infamous now for uh, his uh, shenanigans with the uh, Lamborghini of Orange County. You can go Google that, it's a fun story. Um, but anyway, it was advertised for sale. And um, for like a year and I kept looking at it in the ads and the excellence was the whole ad and excellence magazine and all that. And then I'm like, I had this money in my account. I'm like, okay, well, what do I do? So I, I called them up to see if the car was still for sale. It was like a year later. I'm like, yeah, it's for sale, but it's in storage. You know, we got a lot of tire kickers who came out and looked at it. I'm like, okay. So, you know, they said, wire us a $5,000 deposit and we'll pull it out of storage and do a PPI on it. So make a long story short, I dragged Tony Callis and Bramps down there to do a PPI on it. And they loved it. It was really funny because the, the guy who's the sales guy wouldn't let us go for a test drive without him. And Tony didn't want to go without Grant and Grant didn't want to go out me. So we're driving down Sunset Boulevard or whatever in the 959 with four of us crammed in there like this tight in there, like driving along. This 959. <laughs> it was like a clown car. So anyway, I remember that test drive. That was pretty funny, but it was awesome. So it was just awesome experiences. But so anyway, I bought the car. I remember I drove it home, put it in my driveway. And my wife came out and she's like, oh my gosh. She's like, this is our house money sitting in the driveway of our rental. And I said, trust me, these will appreciate in value. They're not well appreciated right now. And that was one of the first times that I said, trust me. And I'm glad that it was because that worked out okay. Fantastic. And you're saying that was around 2007, 2008? That was 2008, I think. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay. And that... So is this something that um, you've been able to drive? I mean, have you put many drive miles on it? Or is it, uh, obviously, it's sort of an investment item. Is it one of those that you sort of stash away? Or what have you done with it? Yeah, I don't. I didn't buy it as an investment, although I told my wife I did. Uh, <laughs> but 
snow. Like right after we bought it, we took a new track. So we're out at Willow Springs and driving around with Jack Olson. He's giving me driving tips because I'm a I'm a car mechanic guy. I'm not the driver guy anyway. So we're driving up on the on the track there. I think we're on the streets of Willow and and uh, something went wrong. We spun the whole thing on the track and Jack is with me. And I'm like, what did I do wrong? He's like, I don't know. So I was like, I was like, oh, that kind of happens. Went off road in it and all that. I'm like, okay, well, that's a 959. Just drove it off the road and drove it back onto the track and continued driving. So, you know, back then, people were talking about me on the Pelican forums about how I was the only guy they ever seen who had a 959 on a track. I'm like, oh, okay, I guess so. Um, no, and then just drove it like a regular car. You know, I wasn't a daily driver or anything like that. I didn't want to pile on the miles. It was a high mileage car for a 959 too. It's right now it's got about 26,000 miles on it. So I don't really worry about driving. it. So I remember I took it out to Fontana to the races at Fontana and I took my son with me. who was like three. So we had the child seat in it and all that. I remember the news people came by and were looking at it, taking pictures of the child seat. And they thought it was the funniest thing, child seat in the 959. The nice thing about the 959 is it's a regular 911 on the inside. So very cozy, very comfortable. Just throw the kid's seat in there and, you know, we've, we've gone out for ice cream and throw the kids in the back. You know, it's it's the way it is, you know. And the nice thing is having a bunch of miles on it means you can drive it and you can enjoy it. So which is what it's meant to be. So yeah. um, I actually before I let you go further on that, that back to your uh, when you purchased it. So I was in L.A. and I was on um, I was in Westwood or wherever it is on Santa Monica Boulevard and this is about that time and a buddy of mine and I were stopped in our tracks because in a showroom window there, there was a black with silver wheel 959. I don't know if it had a for sale sign in it or if it was at a dealer, I don't recall, but it was in sort of a beautiful building and lights on studio lighting on it and everything. And we obviously stopped and pulled over and like stared at the thing through the glass. And there was no Pelican sticker on the windshield yet. So it obviously wasn't yours yet. But we were, I was always been wondering, because you, you're in SoCal and have this black car, if that was the car that I saw that one night, which is sort of a milestone night for a buddy of mine and I, that we saw this 959 totally randomly in LA. Was that probably the same car? I would say the odds are yes. There weren't that many black ones and there weren't that many ones in LA. And up there, it was, uh, I got it when I went to go pick it up. It was in Beverly Hills, uh, Lamborghini yeah. in the yeah. showroom there. So um, I think yeah, I saw was, it like when it was being shown before you got it or before you took that right. test driver or whatever. Probably, two, um, probably, probably 2007 because they just got tired of everyone coming in and kicking the tires and they yeah. stuffed it into storage after yeah. that. So crazy anyway that's totally amazing i've always wondered if that was the same car so and then it got somewhat uh famous around because yeah it was pretty stealth but you still had a, a pelican decal across the windshield that i think i may have seen it uh once or twice around or out so you had it out and and put some miles on it so it's great that, that you actually add miles what i think is interesting and i told you this uh when i reached out to you to chat about it is i just think that you're yeah just sort of uh an owner that has it and and uses it and has multi-year experience with it, right? When cars get valuable, like this one is now, I mean, you hear so many stories of, you know, some car being sold at an auction and it's been through seven owners in the last 10 years and like nobody added any miles or these crazy listings that we're doing now with, uh, with vehicles with 20 factory miles on them that, you know, just basically don't get driven at all. So hearing that yours is around and actually you just, people can go look at it. You said it's at the Peterson, is that right? Is this car at the Peterson or has been? Yeah, no, it's at the Peterson right now, um, and it's a great deal for me. <laughs> you know, 
I just wrote to Peterson yesterday and I said, you guys need any more cars? Because they give you a free parking and they pay for your insurance too. So uh, they, I had three cars over there in the last uh, in the last six months or so. And now they, they, they're returning all three to me. So now I'm stacking up at home. Uh, this is what you call a first world problem, right? It's like, <laughs> woe is me. My private jet has a flat tire. Oh, you know, <laughs> no, no, I... I feel I feel bad complaining about that, but it is a real, you know. So anyway, I'm trying to pitch them. I'm taking my fire engine right now, but they don't. Yeah, have a, there you go. They don't have room for it. That's fantastic. For that so yeah. also, I mean, you come from the parts world, obviously from Pelican and sure. 959 parts and accessories and different sorts of things. That's been some of the discussion in the current listing. And yeah. you, um, I don't, I don't know how many 959 part numbers and stuff you could move through uh, Pelican, or if that was ever even realistic. But are there any stories from the parts procurement world for your vehicle or um, sure. from the 959 world? I know you also track a lot of these cars in the different bins and what's moving around and what's going on. I think I think that whole world is sort of fascinating. What's what's between your two ears on the, this model? Uh, I think people would love to hear about. So anything from the parts side or the or the um, for your car or experience that you have that you could share? Sure. Well, one thing I want to say about Porsche and give uh, two thumbs up to Porsche <clears throat> and that 911 owners in particular are uh, they enjoy a special place in the parts world. Porsche is really, really good at providing uh, good support for their older cars. Um, I'd be, I've been shocked at what Porsche is still making for some of the older stuff. You know, I've owned a few Ferraris, owned a few other oddball cars, and I can say tons and tons of times, it's just finding the parts is the hardest thing, you know, and that's what people on eBay, searching eBay.it in Italy and blah, 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 and trying to find stuff and getting VPNs because, you know, eBay blocks people in the U.S. and doesn't show them all the stuff and all that, so you got to pretend like you're in Italy and blah, 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 blah. Anyway, um, <clears throat> But Porsche's done a great job of support. And actually for the 959, it's odd too. There's a lot of stuff that's still available for the 959. I think they kind of see it as one of their flagship cars and it's a great marketing tool and all that, et cetera, et cetera. And they, they like to support the older cars. So um, the number one issue on the 959, um, there's a lot of issues, but the number one is the hydraulic accumulator system. It's, you know, the first time I saw a 959 and it was out at the German Auto Fest. This was like in 2002 or something. Guy was driving around the parking lot. And then he just sat down thinking, and raised up in the air. And they went back. Because it's got the same type of hydraulic lifting system that the old Citrons had. I'd never seen that before on a car. <clears throat> so um, that's great. Except for the fact that it, it um, has these hydraulic accumulators. And there's like, how do you describe this? It's like this uh, melon-sized... Um, well, actually, they use them on anti-lock brake systems in the old ones, too. So they have smaller ridge, but these these are <clears throat> really, really big ones. And they're a cylinder with a with a diaphragm in the middle. And they're welded on the outside with this rubber diaphragm in the middle. And you put, you know, your air on the top, well, actually air on the bottom and hydraulic fluid on the top. And what it allows um, you to do is allows you to have a cushioning system. And then you pull a, a hydraulic fluid in and float out and it raises the car up and down. It's pretty cool. I think Citron invented the system or, or was the first to use it. Um, but the problem is that, you know, the cars get, as they get old, the diaphragms get old and the rubber gets old and worn out and disintegrates. And then you get a leak between the top and the bottom of the, of the diaphragm. And then the hydraulic fluid goes everywhere and the car becomes like a clown car <laughs> driving around where it's bouncing up and down and up and down and up and down. It's the infamous 959 bounce. 
so I had that when we first bought the car. I didn't know anything about these things. So I'm like, okay, well, just figured, you know, that's what it was. <laughs> I was kind of stupid back then. But no, so realized that uh, it's quickly soon after that's not really good for driving and not really good for suspension. So we started to tackle that. And we tried to look to buy new ones from Porsche. I don't know if they were unavailable or they had them at 4,000 bucks a piece. And, you know, I'd spent a bunch of money on the car, but still didn't have a ton of money to spend on the car. So figured maybe we could have some remade, blah, blah, blah. So you have one guy rebuild them, we had a bunch rebuilt and he redid a new diaphragm and welded it. And he does something similar for Lexus and put that on um, <clears throat> a friend of mine's car and it blew up and spewed <laughs> Flew it everywhere, so we ended up just biting the bullet and buying the buying the new one from Porsche. I think they were about for a set of four. I think it was about fifteen thousand, twelve thousand dollars my cost. So yeah, but we went to the original manufacturer to see if they would make them. They said no, no, we only make them for Porsche. So, <laughs> so we couldn't go around the back door for that. So you know, but those those accumulators, I. I have one i don't think it's at home here but uh you know that's probably the most interesting part on the car mm -hmm. yeah fascinating um and that was only on the comfort versions right was that on the sport versions as well or they went to a different suspension on that oh you're gonna challenge me on that one um i hate to say that something that's not correct but i believe you're right i believe yeah. the sport cars did not have the hydraulic lift suspension on that so anyway Super interesting. So that bounce, we'll keep an eye out for that bounce. I've seen videos of, the, of it being, you know, raised and lowered and, and that sort of thing. But uh, that gets me to another question. So I, I had a, uh, what was it, 88 or 89, you know, uh, 911 Carrera with a, with a G50 transmission in it. And um, dimensionally, obviously, there's a lot of shared parts there, right? And the interior and the, the side windows and different, different sorts of things, the core um, sort of sketch of the car is, is somewhat similar. Obviously, the, the technology in it and such departs so radically. So um, maybe a very novice sort of skeptic question to ask is, you know, when you're sitting in the driver's seat of this thing, looking at the gauge cluster, going or even going down uh, Sunset Boulevard, like you're talking about, how different is that car to drive from a mid-year, a nice you know, same miles, really well put together, mid-year 911. Talk about the differences. Obviously, there's the turbocharging, but but sure. uh, talk about the other things that really grab you as being different. That's funny you should mention that because I was just, um, I was just, I borrowed a friend's car the other day, um, Kenny over at Auto Workstead. He, uh, he's working on my wife's Mercedes. So he just said, here, take my 993 as a loaner. So I took it home for the day. And I was, um, it's been a long time since I've driven one of those cars. I was shocked at how similar it felt to the 959. Um, the G50 transmission has the same clunkiness to it that the 959 has with its box. You know, it's got a, a six-speed kind of similar box, but it's way beefy. But the, the shifting feels the same. All the interior stuff is very similar from the same era. So I said, like, man. What was missing was power. And I actually called him up. I said, dude, I was like, oh, wasn't my, might be wrong with your car. This, I don't remember the 993s being, you know, this sluggish, you know. And he's like, no, no, they all, he had three of them. So he's like, yeah, no, you know, you're, you're driving that 959 too much. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay, all right. Also, I have a Ferrari 360, which is a fast, fast car. So that's a good car. It's a pain in the ass. It's now up on the, it spends more of its time up in the air than it does on the ground. Mm -hmm. But, um, but we can talk about that another time, <laughs> but no, the, um, 
the 959 is, I, as I say, uh, it drives just like a regular 911. It makes a lot of noise, um, a lot of weird noises. And in fact, I couldn't find it the other day when I posted uh, the owner's manual. But in the owner's manual, it says something. It's a weird German translation, but it says something like, this car makes a lot of noise. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> it literally says that in there. I'm like, okay. What do you, I mean, what are you talking about? You're talking about suspension or you're talking about just the gear, the drivetrain and the all-wheel drive and all that is just making making uh making vibrations and different noises or what is it what's it like all right so the turbochargers sound like a 962 because it's a nine uh you know Porsche 962 the car that won the law and all that good stuff for many years um it sounds like that you've got the blow off valve all that stuff going in the back that's pretty cool um you know and then the 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 four-wheel drive system in the front goes you know like that or whatever it goes back and forth etc 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 and then the the transmission is a little a little loud and a little clunky and all that stuff, but you're just going down the road. And then the, you know, the, even the air conditioning system is, is kind of loud, but that's kind of standard for those cars. Yeah. But, you know, so it's got all these things going on here, but mostly it's the four wheel drive system that you hear in the drivetrain moving back and forth or whatever. And you're always questioning, is this supposed to sound this way? And like, Oh, let me borrow my friend's 959 to see if that's, no, you can't do that. So, <laughs> you know, I've never driven another one. That's and then do you use, I mean, it's all, I've always seen the, the shift knob, obviously, and it's always been talked about the, the G gear, you know, the low first gear that makes it a six speed. I guess the shift knob actually only has one, two, three, four, five, but the, the, the uh, Galinda gear or whatever they call it, the first gear is some sort of, uh, do you ever use that or do you start off in first or start, how do you, how do you actually drive it? Oh yeah, no. So I use G all the time as first gear, and it's funny that one of your guys on your, uh, on your bring a trailer site here has told me that. The reason why that's, I didn't know this. The reason why that is there is because six speed transmissions were illegal in Germany. I mean, that sounds improbable, but everything's slightly weird in Germany sometimes. So, okay, sure. Uh, no six speed. I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea why that would be. I'm sure they have some sort of reasoning. I can't think of a funny joke to go along with it, but uh, yeah, so it is first gear. It's not this off-roading thing. It's uh, something weird. Was I'm like, why do they call this G? Because you really don't want to go off in second because it's not, it's a pretty high gear. I mean, yeah, I can get 60 in first maybe or 55 in first. I don't know. I can go really far in first. So it's not like it's a super short off-roading. I got I got a four-wheel drive fire truck and I got a four-wheel drive tank and those, those have low gears. You run it full rpm and the thing is 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 you know a crawling at a pace that you could like get on your hands and knees and crawl along with the car at that's not this this is a full first gear so yeah okay interesting I, i've always seen that i've never heard the the uh uh legal uh <laughs> claim being made that six six speeds weren't allowed i guess this was you know 80 86 87 like uh trying to think of other six speed cars that may have been out and about i don't know if there were any that really took over maybe a little bit later so um, could be, but um, but anyway, yep. I've always been fascinated by the low gear, and if anybody uses it, or if it's yeah, it sounds like it's just a renaming a, a, according to the way you drive it. Well, so. we, we read about it on the internet, and everything on the internet is true. So <laughs> <laughs> remember that. Yeah. I always so, like to verify everything I hear. There's lots of stuff that people say. Oh yeah, this and that. I'm like oh okay, all right, let me check that. That's what Google was meant for, right? Yeah. To set to settle bar bets and questions about obscure 1980 supercars. There you go. Well, it's uh, it's awesome to talk about the 959, and uh, obviously seeing your comments there have been super cool. That made me look at your profile. I mean, you joined BAT way back in 2018, and you're you're 
Uh, I don't know if you want this public or not. Like the crazy stuff you've been bidding on is is public there. I, you may know that. That's and, not crazy stuff. Uh, I love it. And then you talk about your fire truck and your and your yeah military. What is it? A ferret or, or something? You have some sort of interesting military vehicle you're driving around SoCal. We love crazy variety like that. So we don't just need to talk about the 959. I'd love to know a little bit about yeah your uh, other stuff that you're passionate about or vehicles that you have or want to have I, I see you i mean you've been bidding on some uh a110 rally cars here and there you've been bidding on some international harvester trucks you've been you i mean you're just kind of all over on that really i love it did i really bid on that one? Oh man <laughs> glad i didn't win that one that's like what 38 feet long or something god where would i put that yeah i really bid on that okay <laughs> i think i think my wife said no <laughs> on that one i'm pretty sure that would be an instant veto so <laughs> but what puts all this together from you where where does all this excitement come from obviously the business you built was really heavy on uh porsche and bmw um and that and and mercedes sprinkled in there as well um but yeah tell us a little bit about the kind of stuff that that you know when you walk out to the collection the, the thing you want to actually drive uh or stare at the longest or the, the, um, the kind of variety that gets you, gets you excited about this stuff? I got, a, I got a, a collage of printouts on the wall of the most interesting uh, cars that I, that I have. I don't know if you can see that, but uh, that I'm looking at right now, but oh. um, I like interesting and weird stuff that is cool. I mean, I like Jay Leno a lot. He's a nice guy, but he's really weird with his steam engines and stuff like that. I mean, I like to think I'm cool weird. You know, the <laughs> exciting things I got in the last few years, I got the Adams Probe 16 is the most unusual car I have. That was the car that was used in a clockwork orange um, that uh, Malcolm McDowell was driving around killing everyone with. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's kind of a, kind of a, a dark... Uh, the dark story behind it, but we just got that from the Pete got back that back from the Peterson that was on display there. Um, I got a 1948 um, Formula. Actually, it's not Formula. It's a uh, it's a, a Fiat 500 uh, Mini. Uh, like it looks like an old Formula One race car that's uh, legal for the street. So we drive that around. My wife thinks I'm going to get killed in that one. It's just a little bit bigger than a motorcycle. Okay. We got a 190 SL Mercedes that we customized and built into a speedster and a roadster. I gotta say, I like this car. I think it's pretty cool. Uh, I took it to Monterey a few months ago um, for the historics and everybody was looking at it. I could not believe it. It was like, I was Bruno Mars driving this thing. There was like a group of six Asian kids with all their phones out taking pictures of me and my buddy Scott in the car. And I'm like, no, no, we're not that cool. Seriously, guys, you need to, we need to, yeah, we don't have Bitcoin. It's okay. Don't take a picture of us. Anyway, um, yeah, no, but the most, the most exciting stuff we have is the, is the Porsche race cars that we just started collecting. I started collecting about 10 years ago. So, uh, you know, I figured I wanted to buy a car. Um, again, ask the wife. And I was looking at a 934. She's like, you know, like that day, night before I was going to wire the money, I put the, showed her the picture. She's like, she's like, don't you already have like four of those? And I'm like, but it's a 934. She's like, what? Okay. All right. You know, I do listen to her. So I said, maybe I, maybe I should branch out, not just so. Anyway, so I decided to buy a 962 from Europe. There's a whole story with that one. And then, then I bought another one, planning to sell the original one because I'm trying to upgrade the car because that's what I do all the time. I buy a better car. I say, oh, I'll just sell the old one. 
but I don't sell anything. Mm. So I end up with, a, and I'll, I'll get, I'll get around to that later on. And then I never do it. And then, and then the, uh, the third one, which, which, uh, which is, uh, is an interesting story. I mean, if you guys want me to tell the story. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, these are all 962s and I've, I've been wondering and certainly want to ask you like, what the heck are you, what do you do with these things? Are you a, are you a racer? Do you want to go drive them? Or is this more a collecting sort of passion? I mean, those cars take some doing to go get out on the track. I know it's not, no, it's I'm, not just I'm, a co- I'm a collector more than anything else. I'm not even really that good, terribly good of a driver. So people think that, oh, why don't you come do the celebrity race? I'm like, no, you don't want me to. No, 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 I'm not driving with anybody else, you know, because no, it's, 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 everybody thinks I'm like this great driver and I just, I just nod and pretend. I'm like, okay, but no, no, I'm not, I can drive. I'm not a terrible driver, but I'm not like these other guys. So, um, but no, I have one that we drive on the track occasionally and uh, it's, it's a great car. It's very forgiving. So, um, you know, we drove it all day long. The first time I drove it, driving around, driving around, driving all day long. And then, then, then at the end of the day, you know, you get tired. Yeah, you make a mistake. I looked over and bird flying by or something like that. And I'm like, oh, it's a corner coming up. So I slammed on the brakes and the car went like this. It's like the car said, this is the first time you've actually really used the brakes all day, Wayne. Come on. So I could see the car stopped on a dime. And I'm like, oh, I didn't realize it could do that. So, But these cars. So, I mean, I, I. You know, I don't know these cars by their serial number and every single, you know, which one's the Daytona car versus the Le Mans car and all that sort of stuff. I kind of go by the, you know, the paint scheme. It's like, I know there's the High Life car. There's the different Rothmans versions. There's uh, Yokohama uh, livery cars. There's Leighton House. There's all these, all these different ones floating around. And that may, that's obviously a terrible way to identify a car because it can be painted in, you know, 36 hours or, or whatever into a different one. But um yours tell folks a little bit about which ones you have maybe what they look like and then maybe which one that is that that sees track time or or which one's the third one with the crazy story (laughs) sure sure so the first one i bought was the yokohama car it's unrestored which um, a lot of people like um which means that it looks like it just came off the racetrack um that's the one that i drive uh you know everywhere it's you know in fact we took it to a concord i loaded it off the trailer but it was a concord down here in pv and uh I had to park a ways away. So I had to drive this thing on the street and I had never, actually I had just gotten it. I'd never driven it before. And the steering wheel and everything is on the right-hand side. Anyway, the Concorde gets done and I'm driving this thing up the street and there's a little league game getting out. All right. And there's tons of people and tons of traffic and I'm driving up a hill and I'm driving a 962 and this is a 962. It overheats if you sit, you know, for any amount of time without it moving. So it's, it's it's not like a regular car so i'm sitting there trying, so i'm like okay i'm like i'm like i think i can squeeze through there so i squeeze through this narrow gap to get back to my trailer and i park the car and i get out of the car and all of a sudden this lady comes up and starts yelling at me in spanish and i'm like ah, la, 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 la. I, I can't I, I don't speak spanish so i can't do a good anyway she starts yelling at me. she's like you hit my car blah, blah. i'm like what Turns out the car was so wide, I scraped an Escalade going by with my 962. And it's okay. My car, it was just another scratch on it because it's unrestored. And it looks like it just came out of Lamont. So anyway, and I'm like, uh, she's like, I need your insurance information. And I'm like, I, I, this is a race. I just came back from the concourse. She's like, and like, I don't have ins- street insurance on this car. And, she's like, and then she starts lecturing me about driving a car on the street without having insurance. I didn't know what to say. I couldn't really argue because I, you know, I was there. I was like, yeah. 
so then her husband or boyfriend or the dad you know came over and i'm like dude I'm like this car car shows like i'll pay for your car i said here's my card take it to the body shop i'll pay to have it repainted and all that stuff that 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 scrape was actually buffed out of my car i just used some uh, turtle compound or whatever buffed right out but that car is unrestored so it doesn't i mean it just blends right in with all the other scrapes that are on i mean it's got literally white duct tape covering gashes in the tail where something happened to it and all that stuff that's that's you know some people love that car because it's got the battle scar still on it so and then the second one what you said you upgraded to get a kind of a nicer one what was the second oh yeah yeah so the jägermeister car the second one that i bought is um yeah it's the first carbon fiber 962 uh and this was the first race that is everything this thing ever raced that was completely wrecked um and um because it's a carbon fiber tub the, the guy who was driving it, I forget, I think it was Fitzpatrick Racing. Uh, they just got out of the car and walked away. No damage whatsoever. Even the tub wasn't dead. Every other part of the car was completely destroyed. <laughs> so, But the actual chassis in the tub was, was there. Very, very strong. Um, it's the one that you want to take out if you're not a good driver and you think you might smack it into a wall because you will most likely survive on that that's you know uh, that's what i tell everyone if i ever sell that car that will be the the the, the marketing ploy for that i just show them the picture of the crash some people like that some people don't like that so yeah yeah cool and then it's expanding beyond you said there's there's more in the race car uh uh portfolio oh, yeah, have, or what, what's we have, the we have six and a half of them oh wow Man, yeah that is a uh, that's incredible out of, well, I, I'm sure you know all the numbers and such, but that, I mean, that's a meaningful chunk of how many of these were done, but I know they went through a lot of them in racing. Yeah. Well, we restored, we've restored them too. So, um, but the, the third one is, 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 is the most interesting story. And I've not told this story publicly. So I told it in small, uh, small, small party gatherings where uh, the innocent and the guilty and the stupid can be uh, kept safe from ridicule. So um Let's see. Yeah, this is a good story. So I was at Monterey. This is back in 010. And uh, I think enough years have passed now so that um, I won't be booted out of Monterey or anything like that or get any bad publicity, and et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, I finally did fess up and tell David Swig this story. But um, so I was at Monterey, you know, the historics uh, one year and um, we are at the Bonhams auction um, and Bonhams had three 962s up for sale that year. Um, there were two RLR cars and then this Havoline, um, Sebring winner was, uh, was coming up on the Friday auction. And, uh, there was a Thursday, Friday auction and the first two 962s, one of them was a project car. And that's what I did. And that's what we do. And I was restoring cars and all that stuff or whatever. That car all of itself is, is, a is another whole story, but I was there on Thursday bidding on the, on one of those, uh, 962 project cars. So I'm standing in the back of the room bidding, you know, and Malcolm, the auctioneer at Bonhams, you know, knows me, sees me bidding, all that stuff, whatever. The car is reserved way too high. They didn't sell, you know, but that's, a, you know, lots of auction tricks, you know. So you bid and then you see if you can make a deal afterwards, but they weren't really moving on that yet. I did end up owning that car later on after they tried to sell it at three more other auctions. <laughs> but that's not the story. That's not, that's, it's not about that one's not, that car is not in this story. So I left. And I called my wife, I literally called my wife on the way home. And I said, honey, you'd be so proud of me. I was at the auction and I was bidding, but I didn't go crazy and I didn't buy anything and all that stuff. And it's all good now. So, you know, we're, we're you know, I told you, you know, 
and I'm, I'm, I'm in control. So <laughs> my gambling, gambling auctions, gambling slash auction habit problem is, 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 is under control. No therapy needed. Um, so anyway, the next morning I went out and I was staying at my cousin's house. So um, she lives around the corner from there. So the next day I got out, got in my car, um, drove over to Concorso Italiano, hung out there for a little while, saw all the Ferraris or whatever. And, uh, and then I came, you know, I said, oh, I wonder if that uh, Haviland car is, uh, is up on the block because the guy who owned it was a friend of mine, Jerry. And, um, and I was like, okay, you know, the Concorso, eh, Ferrari, seen them all. So, you know, I so drove over there I'm driving, you know, back to the, to the auction and I get there. Um, and this is the Friday auction at Bonham's kind of corresponds with the quail event. And, uh, and my friend Jerry is there and the car hasn't gone up yet. And he's just freaking out. He's like, oh my God, there's nobody here. This car's not allowed. He's like, I, said, I, said, I don't think it's going to, I brought it all in. I need to sell this car. I need to sell this car. I said, you know, I've got debts to pay. I need to sell the car. I dragged it here from Florida. I'm not sure what's going to happen. I need to sell this car. You know, and his girlfriend, and this guy is, is, is he's a funny guy. He's like a, you know, 60, 65. He's an oncologist. He's got a good sense of humor. And I was like, he's just panicking at this point. So got all the silver hair and all that, but he's, you know, and I've been friends with him for a while because we're 962 guys. Um, so I said, you know, and then we're sitting there watching and, um, you know, I'm just watching there with him and he's freaking out. And this, a Duesenberg goes up, you know, I don't know anything about Duesenbergs now and then, didn't I? but I know they're expensive. So Duesenberg comes up and Malcolm, the auctioneer, comes up. He's like, oh, I hear any bidding for anybody, anybody, 750, anything, anyway, six, five, four. Yeah, finally, the bidding starts at 300 grand. And I didn't know anything about auctions back then. I didn't know all the rules and all the stuff about reserves and no reserves and whatever, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, you know, so, you know, we watched the, the Duesenberg and didn't get any traction whatsoever. And so Jerry's just flipping out right now. He's like, he's like, and I said to him, I turned to him, these are important lessons in life. I turned to him, I said, don't worry, Jerry, I got your back. I'll make sure that your car does not sit on the block without any action. Bidding on the 962s yesterday, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get some action moving on your car. So I was like, okay, well, I was like, what is the reserve? He said, the reserve is 800. And he said, you know, the way auction companies sometimes work is that they take the owner of the car and they sit him in the front row and they have one of the auctions, especially in a car like this. This was on the car that's in the magazines. It's on the front cover of the book and all that stuff. This is a star car. So they're going to put Jerry in the front row and they're going to put someone next to him. I'm not going to mention names, but someone next to him. And that person's responsibility is to poke them, you know, if the car doesn't meet reserve and to get them to lower the reserve. This is standard auction procedure. So anyway, so Jerry said the car is going to be at, you know, the reserve is 800, not a penny lay, lower. If, if they ask me to lower the reserve, I'm going to. And then he made an obscene gesture. <laughs> Tell him to go screw up. So I'm like, okay, all right, sounds good. I got it, Jerry, no problem. All right, happy to help. Yeah, so anyway, so, okay. So the car comes, the Duesenberg has just gone by, the car comes up on the line. I go into the back of the room where I always stand when I'm bidding on a car. I always like to see what's going on in front of me. Because if you're in the front, you can't see anything. So I'm in the back and the car comes up on the stage and they have a video and the car, and they rev it all over the place and whatever. They make a big show of it. They have big music going on in the background, rock music like Van Halen. They're making a big, huge freaking deal on this thing and whatever. And then, and then Malcolm says, okay, we'll start the bidding up 500 grand. So I raise my hand, I was like 500 grand, like 800, you know, that's the reserve. By the way, I don't have 
800 grand either at all. Nothing. I got nothing. So yeah, I'm like, okay, reserve. So the, the bidding goes on 500 and it goes, and then 650, finally goes back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. I don't know who's bidding against me. I can't see anything, but uh, even though I'm in the back. So anyway, so it gets to, and forgive me, my numbers might be off because it was just 10 years ago. It gets to $720,000. And Malcolm's staring at me in the back of the room. And I got my arms crossed and I'm like, no, no. And Malcolm's like, do I hear 750? You need 750. And he's pointing, 750, 750, 750, 750, 750. And he says, 740, 730. He said, 10, give me 10. I'm looking for 10. Because, you know, sometimes auctioners kind of, milk the process and all that 10 so, I am, so i'm familiar i'm familiar yeah. with the process yeah yeah, yeah. but I, they I, also I <laughs> yeah but they also play different tricks on you too so if you raise your and they say say give me 10 to you 10 they raise your hand and they could say they could say okay 750 for him in the back no no that wasn't so i raised my hands up i know you guys can't see it but i raised my hands up with 10 fingers and i pointed malcolm at 10 fingers like that and so he goes he goes so then he goes 730 selling the car today for seven hundred and thirty thousand dollars i'm like what i'm like what i'm like where's that guy's bidding against me what i'm looking over it's going once going twice sold i'm like what i'm like what the no and he's like what's your number and i'm like uh number 300 screwed 36 so i'm in shock at this point i just bought a car I know nothing about, I paid a lot of money for it that I don't have. And, uh, and I'm just in a shock. I'm like, oh my God. And I'm like, and Jerry said the, so I look, so Jerry comes up and I look at him and he's like, he's like, he looks at me and he says, I don't know what happened. And he said, I said, they sell this car. I'm like, yeah. I was like, and he said to me, he said, do you know who bought it? And I said, yes. I said, I bought it. I said, why did you lower the reserve? You told me you weren't going to lower the reserve. And he said, I didn't lower the reserve. Why did you lower the reserve? I didn't lower the reserve. Why did you lower the reserve? I didn't lower the reserve. We're shouting at each other in the back of this office. And we're making a commotion and all this stuff in the back. You know, I'm like, let's take this outside because we're making a commotion. So we go outside and I'm like outside behind the office. Like, why did you lower the reserve? I didn't lower the reserve. Why did you lower the reserve? I didn't lower the reserve. And like, what the hell happened? Turns out... <laughs> <laughs> uh, again, again, this is 10 years ago when I was a lot dumber than I am now. I'm still dumb, but not as dumb as I was back then. Turns out there's a 10% uh, auctioneer's fee that goes on top of the, I knew that, but I wasn't doing the math in my head. So what, what, what auction companies have to do when they have cars in advertised in sports car market and advertising car and driver, and iPad, they had this car there advertise auction companies make money selling cars if they don't sell the car they don't make money they don't get new so anyway they had to sell the car so what they did is they took all their commission you know the total price of the car would have been 808 with the 10 percent. so they sold the car for 800 and they only took eight, eight grand of the commission on that so they cut their commission down in order to get the car sold and we figured that out and in, in the back there. So, so then Jerry's like, oh my gosh, we gotta go tell him this. He's like, no, we can't tell him. I'm legally obligated to buy the car. <laughs> uh, so, I, I, so I called back home to the office of Pelican. I'm like, I called the accountant. I'm like, how much is in our credit line? And how much is in our bank account at Pelican? Can we swing this? I'm like, I have no choice really. So 
So we called the bank and called. I got got my pull down all my credit line, pull down all you know, pull down the checking account. Oh, we can just we can just pay some suppliers a little late, you know. We don't. Uh, so so then I called uh, my friend Scott. Is that my employee and friend Scott, who's who's the race car Porsche race car you know expert? And I told him the story, and he just laughed his ass off at me. <laughs> so he like he couldn't even speak on the phone. And he's like, ah, oh. he's like, let me see. He's like, let me see what you bought. All right. Uh, okay, let's look. All right, let's see what Wayne bought accidentally. Oh, one Sebring in 87. Oh, one Sebring in 88. Oh, oh it looks like you accidentally bought a good car. <laughs> oh, God. So, and do, you, do you still have that one? I still have it, but that's not the end of the story. Oh, so, <laughs> so, um, so we go on. So the first thing I did is, oh, my gosh. So we, I had to make sure I paid for the car. And Jerry helped me out. He gave me some money back on the car. He felt really bad, but, uh, you know, because I was just helping him out on the car. And I didn't really want this car. And I was basically, you know, not bankrupt at this point, but I had zero cash <clears throat> after that. I'd take every penny out of everything and borrow the rest, you know, base. And I actually did put some of it on a credit card. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, you know uh, Clark recommends not using credit cards for anything, especially not buying vintage race cars. No um so anyway so i'm like oh my god and then like somebody remind me what the hell are you gonna tell your wife i'm like oh oh that's okay so anyway so i got i had to go to chase bank get the car paid for and then i had to get it insured because one month before barrett jackson had a tent fall down on all their cars and it was a big lawsuits and all that stuff or whatever so i'm like oh i'm gonna get this thing insured then i had to get it shipped so i arranged a shipment blah 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 so, and then I went back to my cousin's house and I had a drink and I'm like, oh my God, what am I going to tell my wife? So I called a lot of people because that was a big question about what you tell your wife. And some people said, oh, don't tell her at all. Some people said, oh, you have to be completely honest with her. And then one guy said, well, you already own two of them. This is the third one. So just make sure all three are not in the same place at any time and she won't know the difference. That's probably accurate, but I don't really think I could pull that off. Um, so anyway... So we had the car uh, shipped back to LA and, um, and my wife called me. I actually, the car actually beat me back. Cause I think I drove and flew or I think I drove back. Car back beat me back. Anyway, they dropped it off at Pelican and I'm literally pushing it into the warehouse. And my wife called me and she's like, oh, what are you doing? I literally have the phone in my ear, like pushing me down. Like, nothing, <laughs> nothing dear. I'm just finishing up something at work and I'll be home soon. And uh, you know, so, and this is all the money we had, by the way, too. All that house money I talked about with the 959 before, that was all now gone into this car, too. So at least I had some street cred for the 959, although I never sold it. So she always said, how much is it worth? You know, I never. She's one of those ladies that likes cash in the bank and all that stuff, because that's, you know, most women are kind of like that. Where they like they don't believe that cars because her the 959 looks just like a, a Yugo to her. So it doesn't really have a distinction. Um, but anyway, so I get back. I'm like, how am I going to do this? So um, so we get back and I take my wife out to dinner. OK, trying hard. You know, so we go to Terranea, which is a nice resort place by our house or whatever. And we sit down and I get her a margarita. Good strategy. <laughs> and, and, then, and then and then my cousin who was getting a divorce at the time. Her husband was doing some really nasty things and all that stuff, or whatever. So I started talking about him. And, you know, oh, Jeff did this, Jeff did that, Jeff did this, Jeff did that. Oh, he's just back. Oh. I'm like trying to make him look really, really bad. So I look okay. And then she's like, oh, well, tell me about your cousin's new, new boyfriend. And I'm like, well, before we do that, <laughs> 
I got something to tell you. And she's like, what? And I'm like, um, I kind of made a mistake. Uh, I kind of made a, 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 it's not a, it's not a small mistake. It's not a humongous mistake. It's a, it's a medium sized mistake. And she's like, what is it? So, okay. So I'm at the auction and with Jerry, I start telling the story. I'm like, and the Duesenberg is coming across and you know, the Duesenberg's a million dollars. And she, and she said, she said, she said, the Duesenberg's not important. <laughs> How much? And I'm like, no, 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 it's important. And so the Duesenberg was going across the stage and she said, How much? <laughs> and I said, $800,000. <laughs> and she's like, Oh my God. I was like, Oh my God. I said, Are we bankrupt? And I'm like, No, 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 we're not bankrupt, not bankrupt at all. You know how some people buy a house that they can't afford and then they don't have any furniture in the house? And they, you call them house poor? We're what they call car poor. So we have this car and can not afford anything else. So, um, but, you know, and then I said, I said something and I did not plan this. And this is my advice to all husbands out. You only get to use this once, by the way. I said to her, I said, you know what, honey, I made a mistake. And I said, you know what upsets me more than anything else is the fact that you trust me with our money and our finances and I let you down. And then she started to cry. And I thought, huh, I did not see that coming. <laughs> and after that, I was like, huh, okay. I think I might've skated out of this without sleeping on the couch or something like that. But then that was your third 956. And now you said you have six and a half. So there's there, the, that novel goes, goes onward, but probably didn't buy another one at a, at a bottoms auction again after that. As much as I'd like to say that story is over, there's another, there's another point to it. So Bruce Levin, who was the driver and the owner of that car, I was talking to him at Porsche Rennsport a month after I bought the car. I told him I bought his car. And he said, yeah, yeah. I was like, I, I, he said that car went for really, really low. They were telling me it was going to go for much higher. I would have been on it. If, and I'm like, well, you can still buy it. If yeah. you like. <laughs> so he offered, he offered me more than I paid for it. So I went back to my wife and I said, good news. Good news. I can sell the car tomorrow to Bruce Levin. And she's like, well, maybe you shouldn't sell. And after that, after she said that, I was like, oh, okay, I'm off the hook completely. Because she's not like dying for me to sell it. And which one, that was number three for you. But what, which car was that? What was the aesthetic? That's, the, that's the Texaco Haviland that's the Texaco car. Part, that yeah. one won Sebring in 87. It won Sebring in 88. And it won five other races in 87. And it's a really, really good car. Bruce Levin, you know, I talked to him at length about the car. He said that thing just dialed, it was dialed in. They never had any problems. It never slipped, never went into a wall. Everybody loved it. It just performed, never had any real issues mm. with it. You know, it was just had such good car. You know, some cars are cursed, you know, <laughs> they go out on the first lap and they go off the road. I have a car that literally landed in the, in, in, in the water. They had to dish it out of the water in Florida. <laughs> it went underwater. There's a picture of a of a sign on Tony Callis's office asking uh, asking him to come out there and and, uh, and fix their uh, five million dollar boat anchor is what they used to call it. This is the the Lola. I mean, some cars have bad karma. This uh, this Sebring car had had a lot of good good karma. So so that's the story, and that is not a that is now a public story. So it's been ten wow. years. So it I has. don't think they're gonna yell at me or anything like that for that. But well, uh, you bid on it and you paid for it and and. Off it goes. I think there's a fair number uh, of interesting 
handshake agreements going on between bidders and some of some of those tents. You know, you never really know what's going on. But yeah. uh, anyway, it's good to get some insider info and awesome to get some insider info on just owning those cars and having those cars. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing uh, before we wrap up here with Dempsey Motorsports and what are you, you're doing with these cars now? You said you're restoring the 956s or you're restoring other stuff? Yeah, um, we just find projects as they are. As I say, it's hard to sell stuff. I sold one car in the last three years. And that was the 108B. There's another whole story on that one, but I don't think we have time. Um, we bought that one at, uh, that was the car that was on auction on Thursday. So we identified that that car had actually won the Norris Ring uh, race and won Kailami in 87. And then we restored that and sold it the only car i've ever sold um in the last several years um, another 962 or 956 yeah that was a 962 another yeah, 962 yeah. okay cool. yeah so the reason why we have six and a half bars is that uh, the latest project we're doing is really really cool uh it's the uh we found the the body work and the the body for the prototype dower 962 streetcar that held the world's record for the world's fastest streetcar for 13 years. Not too many people know about this. The Guinness Book of of World Records did not recognize the car as being the fastest in the world because it's based on a actual 962 race chassis. So it's a race car converted for the street, whereas the McLaren F1 that actually is in the record books was developed specifically for the street. But this car, our car is faster. So um, found the bodywork for that. You know, and it's been kicking around for a while. We have a lot of 962 parts that we bought, you know, six, seven years ago. And it gives us the ability to take on crazy, uh, crazy projects that no one else would take on because we can put this stuff back together. Um, Most other people can't. And the guy who had this project was trying to put it together and just didn't have the parts or the knowledge or anything like that or the experience. I've got a really good guy, uh, Trevor Crisp from uh, Katana in the UK, who's got a whole crew puts these things together. But anyway, so the Dower car, we have the bodywork. Um, instead of using an original engine and transmission, because those are really, really uh, hard to find, we're actually doing a Singer-style upgrade. Uh, we're putting a Porsche factory GT1 drivetrain in that car. Hmm. So with a sequential transmission um, and, um, you know, the, the purest guys. Uh, you can't do that. No, but... Um, it's a worthwhile upgrade. If I was putting a four, four, you know, a four-cylinder Volkswagen 914 engine in it, yeah, I, I would be banished, and you wouldn't be talking to me right now. But um, no, we're putting Porsche thousand horsepower GT1 uh, engine that came out of the. You can't see the poster on the wall, but it's right there. It came out of the uh, uh, 1998, uh, the second series of the GT1. So um, that and a uh, another 962 race chassis that we have. So that will be done in 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 maybe a year or two and it'll be awesome so the only what you, and what are you going to do with that you're going to display it or you're going to yeah gonna sure. I'm, I'm going to put my child's all my kids are no longer child seats <laughs> in, but they're going to take it to cars and coffee and go get ice cream with it and, uh, and uh, i'll go uh I'll, you know my wife says go get some uh, milk and some cream and all that and I'll, I'll do that so no it'll be it'll be fun it'll be good yeah no, it's, it's going to be an awesome awesome car very unique again it fits the whole story of that so um and it's a 962 for the street and i'll have a thousand horsepower and it, it it'll be awesome they only made they only made six production cars five of them are on on the on not on display but in the sultan of brunei's collection just sort mm. of melting out there in the in the jungle um one of them is in sweden 
Um, and then there's two other prototype bodies. We have the original prototype body that was the first one displayed at the 1993 IAA or IIA um, mm -hmm. show in Germany. And then a guy named Mike Sapena is doing a, a restoration on a second one in Pennsylvania. So I'm very excited about that. It's pretty cool. Very cool. Well, we'd love to see updates or, or pictures on that, the, the picture galleries that you posted on the Black 959. Still a Pelican link. You must still have some love and ties into Pelican because that thing, you, you, you posted a Pelican link for those, which I thought was interesting. Um, <laughs> but uh, anyway, fantastic stuff. Awesome stories. Um, we'd love to, to uh, have you back on at some point. Sounds like there's more stories. Man, these, these 956s, we can talk, uh, talk forever and ever about you know, those cars, where they've been, where they've raced, what lake they ended up in, you know, what finish line, what podium. Uh, but super impressive that you've ended up with all those cars and congratulations on that. Thanks so much for your comments in the red 959 that is ending on BAT, which is an interesting one. And just your enthusiasm comes through and I'm really glad that we could connect and that you could be part of the BAT community. Sure, well, thank you guys for having me on. Sounds great. No problem. We'll meet up again soon. Thank you, Wayne. And thanks, everybody, for listening. Catch us on the next BAT podcast. Mm -hmm.